am Mike Scala. Welcome to Nuance, joined, of course, by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip hop MC and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What is going on, Jay? Oh, man. Nothing much, really. It's been it's been kind of chill the last couple of days, had some projects to finish up. And uh, yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, same. I mean, been busy, but I also have projects to finish up. I would actually like to complete this mic booth in uh, this walk-in closet that I have. It's like perfect for a mic booth, but I got to get a light in there. I have to get the acoustics right, you know, but definitely want to get that done so I can get, get some recording done in here. That's what's up. Yeah, and also, there, like... say what? I was like, you still got stuff in there, like um, like some clothes or something, to dampen the sound so there's nothing bouncing around. Right. I've got coats. This is actually a coat closet, but it's a very big walk-in closet, and the coats are kind of in the back. So as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, this is actually a perfect location for a mic booth, and those coats will dampen the sound. And I've got, of course, that foam that goes around. It's called a vocal guard, right? That goes around right. the mic stand to kind of shields the mic. So I think the acoustics right. will be good, but I got to make sure that that's all good. Get a light in there, you know, and whatever treatment I need to complete it. Right. That's what's up. Yeah. I got some things I want to, you know, finish up and um, just been busy, busy with all, you know, obviously life is busy, right? Law stuff, but I want to get the music stuff, political things going on. I guess we'll talk about the New York one interview that we just did on the Queens link because we are going to rally in Rockaway this Sunday. It was rescheduled due to the rain. So we'll talk about that rain oh my goodness it's you know we mentioned the hurricanes going down in the south i think we're getting to tell pieces of it here up north it's been raining constantly for the past few days over here really yeah we had we had a couple of typhoons come through at least in my area they didn't really hit um i get i get pretty lucky in that regard we don't really get it here because either we're surrounded by mountains so it either stays on the east um or this time it was coming directly for us, but then it, it um, veered off into the ocean before it cut back in across the country. So it just completely uh, went around us. So okay. that's not the big, the big, big news here isn't the typhoons right now. It's the, the missile from North Korea. Yeah, I saw that. And it landed in the ocean? Um, from what I saw, part of it landed in the ocean and part of it might have landed um in Hokkaido, which is one of the the northern island, the major northern island. Wow. So there's uh, major cities and stuff there as well. Um, but was anyone hurt by it? Looks like Jay froze into oblivion. Hope he's all right. I'm sure he'll be joining us back in a few minutes, but before Jay gets back on here, let's see, it's about 7.18 if you're listening live right now. And I actually visited the Cousins Maine Lobster truck that was parked in Ozone Park today. It'll be there until 8 o'clock p.m. So you still have some time. You can go check it out. They serve great lobster rolls and lobster bisque, which is awesome on a day like this, a rainy day. That lobster bisque keeps you warm, and that flavor is just incredible. So Cousins Maine Lobster, it's a, it's a great lobster roll truck, all kinds of lobster products. Go check it out till 8 o'clock today in Ozone Park. It's 9202 Atlantic Avenue in Ozone Park. As we wait for Jay to return, let's see anyone joining us on the chat. Not yet. It's been a slow, kind of rainy, depressing few days. As Okay, here comes Jay once again. There we go. 
Yeah. You had me so, worried for a minute. I asked you if you're all right from the missile, and all of a sudden you went you went silent. Yeah, it's EMP. You know, Kim Jong is going crazy. Um, now it looked like from what I, I saw, um, and that was early on, it, it was seemed like the majority of it went to the ocean, but some something might have dropped off and dropped uh, on the island. I don't I don't know specifically. Okay. That's a but scary situation. Sure. Huh? That's a scary situation. I'm sure there, uh, you know, there are people having some uh, intense discussions uh, right now in the U.S. and um, in Japan, because you can't just you can't just lob missiles over a sovereign country, um, and no one say anything. No, no. I mean, here we go. This is potentially disastrous, right? But he did this. I think he did this several years ago too i don't know if it went over the country though but i think it, it did go into the sea that that's in between japan and um and korea north korea um what's interesting is it went over the north the hokkaido so hokkaido is is in between the main island of uh the main island where tokyo's at and and russia so you know, he could be playing a, a you know dangerous game there. Playing with fire. Yeah, yeah. But it, like I said, he's done this before. Um, so we'll see yeah. what happens there. I guess that would be round two. Yeah, I think that. But the last time, uh, Tokyo actually has a missile defense system, um, which is just kind of <laughs> some kind of random. But. There seems to be a missile defense system there. And last time it, it became activated, if I remember right. Well, speaking of round two, we're going to try the Queenslink rally again on Sunday, this coming Sunday, October 9th, because of the weather. We tried to do it on October 2nd, this past Sunday, and that wasn't going to happen. The weather was terrible, like we mentioned. So it looks like we're in for better weather this coming weekend, and I hope to see everyone there. It might work out better because there are some people who weren't able to attend the first time around, even weather permitting. They had other events that some people were out of town. So we do have a lot of response for this coming Sunday's rally. And it should be a big one. We have elected officials confirmed. I know that the borough president is going to send somebody. It's on Senator Sanders' calendar. Stacey Amato, our assembly member, is going to be there. The council member is going to be there. Um, the council member from the other side of Rockaway, uh, Selena Brooks Powers, is going to either be there or send someone because, you know, this is really not just a one side of Rockaway issue. It's an all of Rockaway issue and beyond that. It's a Queens issue. It's a New York City issue. And so even the public advocate, unfortunately, the public advocate has a prior obligation this coming Sunday. He was going to attend last Sunday, but I think he's going to send someone, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So we're trying to get as much representation there as possible throughout Queens and throughout the city to show that. There's a lot of public support for this and the people. It really, it really is about the people showing that transportation must be a priority. Yes, there is a plan now to build park space along the Rockwood Beach line right away. That's fine as long as it's done in a way that doesn't compromise rail service. Um, the MTA CEO said that the MTA is all for this. They want land held for transit as well but it's up to the city. It's a city-owned asset. And so that's the message for this rally. The people have to let the city know, and that's the mayor, that's people making the shots for the city, city council as well, that land has to be held for transit and we want transit considered in this plan. We don't want any park plan built or designed in a way that's gonna stop us from getting our train. 
sounds like um yeah still some work to be done but yeah the people definitely uh, should show up and uh show them show them like hey this is what we want that's what it is and that's what i said when i was interviewed on inside city hall this past week it was actually on thursday i was on the show and i made it that point that we have to meet the priorities of the most people here and what is going to benefit the people transportation i truly believe that if you were to poll most people out there they're going to tell you transportation is more important i mean a park is great but who really benefits from a park first of all you have to be able to get to that park and people in the rockaways people in south queens people from many parts of the city can't even get to that location now because transit is so bad that's the whole point so even in forest hills you know, people say a lot of the opposition for the train comes from forest hills i bet you if you were to ask most people in forest hills they're going to tell you they want better transportation too there's just certain groups of people who block it but ask most people and that's why it's so important to get the public involved in this because this can't be something that happens behind closed doors where only a small number of people are involved in the decision and they think it's all good and move on to the next thing the people have to speak loudly that this is something that we all collectively demand and that is how we will have our voices heard and that that is how we will see the result that we want right and it's in generally opposition to a lot of things can be a small vocal minority um, because you know people usually speak up when they're against something instead of when they're for something. And so if that's what's the the only voice that's coming through, then that's going to be what um, is viewed as the opinion of everybody. Right. And you know what? You said it that sometimes it takes an enemy, so to speak, or some kind of opposition, something to be against in order to get people to speak up. Well. Now, in a weird way, we kind of have that because we have this impending park plan. We have people pushing for this Queens Way project. Well, now it's imminent. Now it's something that's going to happen soon. Now we need people to speak up. And, you know, maybe this will be the uh, uh, event, so to speak, that motivates people to say, okay, now it's time. It's do or die time. It's now or never, right? We only get one shot at this. Let's not mess this up for everyone. Let's make our voice heard now. Because it is hard when you have a plan that, let's be honest, People have been fighting for the train for years, for decades, since 1962, when it was deactivated. So you're talking 60 years now, people have been fighting for this. And so where is the urgency there? If it's a 60-year fight, it's easy for people to say, yeah, people have been fighting forever, whatever, maybe I'll show up, maybe I won't. If not (laughs) now, maybe next year I'll be there, maybe in two years. There's no real urgency, but now there is, because now the city announced $35 million to build phase one of the park. So now we have to speak up. There's no choice anymore. Our back is to the wall. We have to speak up. And maybe that's the silver lining here. Maybe that is what will motivate people to really stand up together collectively as not just the Rockway community, but as a city to say, no, Queens and our city needs transit. And let's not screw this one up. So here's the information. It's the Queens League Rally for Transit Equity. And it's going to be this Sunday, October 9th at 2 p.m. on the boardwalk and Beach 92nd Street. And I urge everyone, please, please, please come by if you can, just to show you support. We need more people there. I mean, of course, we need people speaking and participating in all kinds of ways, holding up signs. But at the bare minimum, please just show up, just be there. Lend your body to the rally to show that the people are here standing for this issue. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, while you're out there, get your, your videos and your, your, your pictures and, and spread it on social media to, to show that, you know, that you all were there, that you know this was a happening, and so to get more attention, right? And there will be other events. By the way, shout out to Khalil Anderson, the assembly member as well. He said that he will be there 
this week. So like I said, we do have uh, a lot of support and a lot of public support. I also mentioned this when I was on New York One last week, 15 elected officials in Queens and two community boards signed a letter to the mayor and the governor asking for the transit component to be considered here. So this isn't something some small, small group of people, if not Mike Scala and some friends saying we would like a train. This is a lot of political support throughout the borough, throughout the city. And like I said, now it's the people's turn to speak. But, you know, it is something that's a very popular idea and with good reason. Right. Yeah. Well, good luck to that. And hopefully everyone, you know, get a lot of people that, you know, show up and uh, show up and show out and raise their voice for that. Yes, absolutely. And How was that um, experience in New York One? It was good. Very grateful to be invited on there. You know, thank you to Inside City Hall. Thank you to New York One. Shout out to Andrew Lynch from the Queens Link who joined me for that interview. And it's it was good to be on there because it's a show that I watch and it's a very relevant show bringing issues to the forefront going on throughout the city. So I was happy that they reached out and they wanted to cover the Queens Link and they made the point on the show. The Queens Link is not dead, you know what I mean? And it just kind of, I guess, serves as another example of what I was just talking about. Now we're on New York One, right? We've been fighting for this for how, how long? Forever. But now we're on TV. Now we're getting the press. Now we're getting the attention. Why? Because now it's a pressing issue. Now we have this battle that's materializing. And so we have to make the most of it. And, you know, and, and we did. I think it was a good interview, a good segment. Right. And that, that's what's up. Um... Hopefully that'll be um, something that's uh, on the net that we can all we can all check out. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about New and, York and One is it's, it's Spectrum, so you have people who have Verizon who can't get it. Now, if you have Verizon FiOS, you can't get it. If you have Spectrum or Optimum, you can get it. it depends on your service provider. Not everyone right. gets it. And the Rockaways, though, I know more people do get it than in Howard Beach. Howard Beach is more of a, a Verizon area, but you know. Um, it is something that I think a lot of people watch who are paying attention to what's going on in the city. So it's definitely good to have that platform. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. So I think we have some people joining us in the chat. Let me pull this up here. We got James, we got Lixa. You know, it seems like I can, the people that I can see in the chat and the people that you can see in the chat are very different. Well, because it's my video, it's, you know, my live video. I see people who are just joining. I guess people who are just tuning in who aren't typing messages in the chat, it shows me right. their names. They'll say so, so such and such is watching with you. Right. You see the people who are leaving messages in the chat only. Right, right. Yeah, so I can see James. I can see Lixa. Yeah, now I can't see the names right now, but it says, I see Lixa, James, and it says 20 others are watching with you, but sometimes the names will pop up as, you know, as they come in and out. I also see Deborah on the video. So thank you. Well, everybody that's watching, um, you know, drop a hello, good evening or something in the, in the chat. Just say what's up. That's right. So we can well, get to our poll from last yeah, week. Yeah, let's go, let's go over the poll from last week. Now, I didn't, I, I posted it up. Um, you know, I got the poll last week was do you feel, uh, safe on the trains on the subways these days and I got um, what minor minor responses on Instagram and Facebook um, those were there were no um, but it did pretty well on YouTube but again it was I don't know I think people are using the like dislike vote button as the voting which is you know 
Um, so it got about four and a half thousand views on on YouTube, and that was like within you know majority of that was within like the first day. It's kind of crazy. Um, and one one comment was saying it was a rhetorical question, um, but not a rhetorical question. I actually wanted the answer. That's why it's a poll question. I mean, I wouldn't ask a rhetorical question as a poll question. Yeah. Maybe a leading question. Maybe they think the answer is obvious. I don't know, but I think that's what it yes, is. I think they know. Assume it's obvious, like yeah, of course, but we don't feel safe. But yeah, but we're asking, like you know, so right. And I was really trying to get people's opinion on that. And mine was very fascinating because I did get it on Facebook as well as Instagram, and the differences are always stark and always, to me, interesting to look at. On Facebook, I do think you get in general more of an older conservative crowd, and on Instagram, I think it's younger and more progressive generally speaking it's not everyone but i think that's the right. trend but if you look at the results and again the question is do you feel safe do you, well let's let's get the question right it's do you personally feel safe riding the subway at night in new york city these days so that was the poll question right. on facebook it was a hundred percent no they did not feel safe 100 percent on Instagram, it was 50-50, exactly split down the middle between yes and no. And then when you add them all together, not just averaging percentages, obviously, but adding all the votes together, it ended up being 75% no and 25% yes. So I thought that was an interesting breakdown as well, how evenly split that ended up being between the two platforms and then together as a whole. But it was three quarters of the people saying no, they did not feel safe on the subway at night. Yeah, that's a, that's a high, you know, high percentage for sure. So, and I think if if we go, you know, I I can't really go with, um, you know, the 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 likes and dislikes, but I think there were more dislikes on the poll question than there were likes. So if we assume that, then it'd be similar. Right. That's probably what's happening there. They're saying that they don't feel safe. Right. So, come on, people was, don't dislike it, or you got to respond. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did get uh, actually a message to read, I guess, in response to the poll as well, which I'll pull up in a second. Shout out to Paul Trust. You see, I'm in a chat now. I don't, I don't always see all the names either. Sometimes it'll show me a bunch of names. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll like one or two names pop up at once. That's why sometimes I got to scroll through it to get all the names. But uh, we appreciate everyone, of course, who's tuning in every week. Absolutely. Let me grab this response here. So this one came in on Instagram. They said, I haven't taken the subway at night since before the pandemic, I felt safe then. No one really bothers me on the subway, except once this woman wouldn't stop talking to me, but she wasn't being mean or anything. I guess she just needed someone to talk to. So it doesn't seem like such a bad experience there. But again, that was right. before the pandemic. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a trip. Like I said, we talked about it last week. I don't, I don't remember having bad experiences on the train or feeling that kind of, you know, yeah. Wow. Well, something needs to be done about this. And then the whole question yeah. we discussed last week is is what, right? And also, to what extent are these short-term solutions and to what extent or what are the long-term solutions here? Because we can't rely on the short-term Band-Aid solutions that we're just kind of throwing resources at the problem, but we're not solving the problem. We're just spending resources trying to patch them up as we go along. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that's not gonna ultimately solve anything, just throwing stuff at it. Right. Well, 
Um, Nixa said they're adding more cameras in the subways. Um, cameras don't work for EDPs. I'm not sure. What EDPs Emotionally are. disturbed persons. Ah, okay. That's a new. Right. I mean, like a camera. I, I guess her point is a camera is not going to deter someone who's of that mind state or right. mind state which i'm sure is, is the case you know maybe it can deter others maybe it, it can just help solve some of these and you know maybe find right. find the people responsible in some cases right yeah so. but yeah. you know i think we just do a lot right and we do need the short-term solution i mean i would put cameras and more of that short-term pile but that's not to say we don't do it you still do need to have short-term responses to respond to the right. issue in the short term, right? You can't just say, we're gonna handle this as a long-term problem and then let the chips fall where they may in the short term. No, because that's gonna cause more harm in the short term. You wanna be able to, right. to address that while also thinking long-term and thinking, okay, what is a way to prevent this from happening in the future or to mitigate it or to have less of it as we go forward? Right, there's gotta be other ways to, to, to do, and it's whatever, you know, uh, I don't know what the numbers or statistics are on, on what it is that people are not feeling safe over. Like, are there, there, you know, is there, you know, violent attacks happening? Is there crimes happening? Is there, you know, mentally disturbed people, you know, this type of things, but. You know, it's all of the above really, but there are a lot of emotionally disturbed people who are doing things like, you know, pushing people in front of the trains and things like that too. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. seems like that's another, another point for, you know, Addressing mental health issues in the public, you know, right, and and yeah, they need and, more funding and more mental health programs in general, right, and and more ways to recognize, uh, you know, mental health issues or things that might lead to or cause breaks in, in mental health. You know, you know, people are overworked, they're stressed, they're, you know, can't live affordably, and and that causes more stress, and you know or mental health is not taken seriously and it's not treated and then it gets worse. It's, yeah. Well, speaking of getting worse, I, I guess, there was breaking news today. A lawsuit was dismissed that challenged New York City's outdoor dining program. And some people are saying now, what was supposed to be a temporary measure during the pandemic is becoming permanent and it's it's making things worse in terms of clutter and taking up space on New York City streets. Obviously it takes away parking spaces and makes it harder to drive in certain areas. And is it necessary? You, you know, there's a lawsuit filed, it was dismissed. The idea was uh, the environmental review was inadequate and the court found that the review was done and they said there was no adverse environmental impact to the program, therefore it could continue. What the city is trying to do is move towards making outdoor dining permanent by making it easier for restaurants to get licenses to operate outdoors. Of course, during the pandemic, it was a temporary program where basically everyone had to move outside. But now long term, they're looking at making this more permanent. Some people think that that's a problem. And it's like I said, it's just uh, you know, causing clutter in the city. Yeah, you. We were talking briefly about this beforehand because I didn't really understand what the program was like. So, I'm, 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 you know, looking at Manhattan or even you know different parts of the city, different boroughs where you have the restaurant. It's, you know, the door is right there on the sidewalk. 
Um, and then from beyond the sidewalk is, is the street. There's really not much extra space to add things, you know, um, you know, in some parts of Manhattan, the sidewalk's fairly wide and whatnot, but so are they, you're saying they're adding, they added space in the street or they took up the sidewalk? In many cases, they, well, first of all, they do have seating on the sidewalk a lot of times, but they also build these sheds. I'll put a picture up. I mean, everyone who's been in New York since the pandemic knows what we're talking about, but they're, they're shed-like structures, which oftentimes are in the street. So it would be where the parking spaces would be, typically in the street. Okay, so they're they, of the they're restaurant. Taking, okay, so it's not taking a lane out of the street, it's taking the parking out of the, the, the side, the side well, parking. Yeah, well, right, but oftentimes there aren't actual parking lanes, right? I mean, people park on just right. on the edge of the street and... And this is bigger than the width of a car. I'll, I'll pull up an image here. Right. And so if they do that, then, I mean, obviously the street's going to become more narrow and there's going to be, like, are, you, are people having to weave in and out of out of these things? Like, it's... Right, but do you see it on the screen right now? Yeah. Yeah, so you can see, I mean, that's pretty sizable. It's like, an, yeah, it's like it a is. restaurant outside. Now imagine yeah. that on both sides of the street, maybe not exactly in the same spot, but but if there's one a little bit next to it on the other side. Right, so then the, the street itself is gonna become much more narrow. Or undrivable on certain areas, certain streets. Right. So, and, and like I said, parking is an issue too. Now, obviously there are different parts of the city. So Manhattan parking was always difficult on the street, but you still could find it from time to time. Now it's becoming much more difficult, but even outside of Manhattan, think about Queens. I mean, you see this in South Queens as well. Parking is a big issue. You know, driving is an issue. We talked about how people rely on cars and getting around through vehicles in this part of the city. So what do people do? I mean, if all the restaurants have these sheds or outdoor structures, is that gonna become a problem? And does this represent another step in the movement to just get away from cars because i think that's what you're seeing here i think you're seeing the people who are suing and the people who are advocating against it on that side hey you're attacking all of us who have to drive and the people on the other side saying we don't care we think we should move away from cars anyway we would like to get rid of streets and replace them with restaurants and pedestrian plazas and bike paths yeah um so so right now the program, is, I mean, well, I guess during the height of the pandemic, it was required that people ate outside. Um, now, I guess people are able to eat back and eat inside. So this is kind of a, um, it's not a requirement, right? Some people want, some people want this to be permanent option. Some people are like, okay, let's get rid of this and let's clean the streets back up. Right. And the issue is how easy do you make it to, get a license or to allow an establishment to have this kind of structure. And they are trying to move away from the sheds eventually and replace them with what they call open air seated areas buffeted by thicker barriers like planters and things like that. But nonetheless, you're talking about structures basically in the street or blocking sidewalks, blocking streets. Um, obviously, outdoor dining is not a new thing, but now it's become normalized since the pandemic. And if all of the restaurants in the city can very easily do it, and there's not going to be an issue with taking up part of a street, that could be a problem for drivers. Yeah, um, I could see I could see that. 
Uh, I'm curious, like, so now it's taking up part of this, it's gonna take up part of the street or it's part of the, part of the sidewalk. So you're gonna have not only less room for cars, but also for pedestrians. Um, are they going to charge the, the establishments for the extra space they're taking up? Is that a way to add like, you know, your store, say your store, your restaurant had a hundred square feet. Well, now you're gonna take up another, you know, 20 square feet uh, of sidewalk or, or street. So are they gonna try to tack on no, what they're, what they're really doing is they're saying, all right, this street now cannot be navigated by cars. Great. <laughs> We're not going to punish the business for this. We're going to shut down the street and say, yeah, now people, if they can't walk on the sidewalk, they can just walk through the street and you have restaurants with outdoor seating on both sides of the street. That's really the mentality that we're getting from the city and from those who advocate for this arrangement. Those on the other side are saying, what are you doing? You're just destroying our streets. Right, right. Now, the thing I see with it um, in the chat, it's a mention that some restaurants block pedestrians. Uh, she said on, on Cross Bay, I walk through people eating at a restaurant. Um, in that case, that's you know, a sidewalk. It, right, right, the sidewalk. Um, for safety reasons, as far as, you know, the air and whatnot and, and distancing and, and whatnot, walking through people while they're sitting down eating is not really a good look. Right. I agree. It's messy. And you know what? I personally, maybe like I'll catch some flack for this. I'm not the biggest fan of eating outside. If it's an ideal situation, like if the weather is beautiful and it's not very windy and it's not humid and, you know, if it's like very comfortable, fine. But most of the time, it's really not. I mean, usually this, it's either too hot, too cold, too windy, too something. And, you know, there's bugs right. then if, if the weather is too right. nice. You know I mean? Like there's always going to be something to me that makes it less than ideal i would rather be inside where it's more comfortable you can have an air conditioner if it's hot outside whatever it is it could be climate controlled it could just be a more pleasant dining experience to me but then again i wasn't one who, who ever loved to picnic either i don't like going hiking like, i don't right. really like the outdoors some people do right yeah no i i, I get that too I, I don't often like to eat outside uh it depends okay of course like i said it depends on the weather it could be too hot or windy or whatever i don't want to sit outside for the sake of sitting outside and I, i've got to put my glass on my napkins to keep them from blowing away like it's yeah right right we That's already solved this problem with indoors right right like what yeah exactly right what is the benefit of this i mean just to say you ate outside i don't i don't get it i don't get the appeal i remember when i was clerking and i was in law school i was clerking for the teachers union in the city they used to go down damn i forget if it's battery park but it used to be the uh the park, I think it's Battery Park. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. The park down by Wall Street where you can see the Statue of Liberty right on the water there, like where those Geico commercials were filmed. Uh, right. We would go down there and they would we would get food like on our lunch break. We would all get food and they all loved, all the other clerks loved going down to the park and sitting on a park bench and eat, eating the food. It's like, like a picnic. I'm like, but that's not comfortable to me. Like you have the food now in your lap and you've got a drink over here and it's windy. And so like you're trying to keep it all in front of you. And what is the benefit? And, you know, and, and now you're sitting like right by the, the, you're right on the water. So I get, I guess a nice view. I get that, but that causes more of a breeze too. And it's, it's just not comfortable. Yeah. I want a table. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to sit down and eat, I want a nice table where I can put the food down and, and have, enjoy my meal. I don't want to eat in my lap. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I get that. I've had those experiences. I mean, I understand the appeal of it as well, but um, yeah, sometimes it's just like, okay, let's, let's just go inside. It just depends. It depends on the weather. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and I actually had that experience this past week where I was with the guy, with the group of people on Cross Bay. Like I mentioned, Cross Bay was a restaurant on Cross Bay. I prefer to eat inside, but someone in the group didn't want to. He wanted to eat outside. So I said, all right, I bit the bullet. We ate outside. And it was fine. I mean, we had a table. This wasn't like sitting eating in your lap. It was, it was nice. But, you know, there were some bugs and it was a little cold. And it just to me, I would have preferred to be inside. Right. You have to like fight off bugs trying to get trying to get into your food. And it's a nice meal. You're spending a lot of money on some nice dining. You don't really want to like fight off bugs trying to fly into your food when you're eating it. Right. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's gonna be a little bit of a pain point, I think, because this this plan is something that, that was born out of necessity um in a crisis situation. And so the architecture of the area was not, you know, designed for it for it. So there's not space that, you know, or the, the proper design or whatnot for it. So it's gonna look a little uh yeah, a little cluttered and, and whatnot and could be less than ideal. Yeah, and you know what? I think the issue is overdoing it, right? Like you're making this a program where essentially every restaurant does it or is able to do it very easily because during the pandemic, it was a necessity. And so many restaurants- We're still in a pandemic. Well, the president said we're no longer in a pandemic, but nonetheless, I take your point. But at the height of COVID, they all built these structures because they basically had to. And now they're right. they're there, right? Like, what, what do we do with them now? And so these restaurants would like to be able to keep them, especially if people want to continue to eat outdoors. But the issue becomes having too many of them all over the place. And right. yeah, it, it is cluttered. I mean, if it was just every, you know, every, I don't know, a few miles or every you know, few blocks, whatever, it's just like once in a while, that wouldn't be so much right. of an issue, right? It would be like, okay, maybe it's a little bit of an inconvenience on this street, but it's also a nice thing to have here. But when you start having it everywhere, then you can't see how it becomes an issue. Right, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, and not every place needs to have outdoor seating, but then how do you determine which ones do and which ones don't? Right, if you allow it for one, then, then everyone's, you know, it's fair game for everyone. But you can look at the location. Like you said, you can look at how much, space are you taking up and what is the traffic like both for pedestrians and drivers at that location and you know how much yeah. space does the restaurant how much property does the restaurant have and is it really needed it can be done on a case by case basis like if i remember correctly the uh, the sidewalk um around the union square area um you know was fairly wide i could see where you know it could accommodate some some things like that and and New York already did something a little bit similar before the pandemic on on streets like that, where uh, during the winter, they would put some places would put like this this awning over things and and the flat to so that people could kind of sit outside during the winter when uh, but it'd still be warm, so they still took up space. Um, so, but yeah, on narrow streets like in Alphabet City, I could see that be a problem. Right. And, you know, they're moving to this thing called open streets in areas now, which is also controversial. But, OK, let's say you have some plazas, they call them like you know pedestrian plazas in Manhattan, where they close off the road to traffic. 
Well, if there are no cars coming down anyway on that street, then fine. You can take up more space with an outdoor sitting area, make it nice, fine. Have all kinds of planters and structures and there are no cars anyway at that point. But if it's still a street where you're going to have cars, well, you got to be careful with that. Right. You know, and, and you know what? And I'll make this point too. There have been instances where I was eating in these sheds and you're right in the street and it's a little nerve wracking at times if you're on a busy street, especially and there are cars speeding by because you're sitting down at a table in the street, even though it's your, you know, it looks nice. You're surrounded by this shed and whatever it is, these plants. The bottom line is you're sitting in the street eating and there are cars coming by. Bottom line. Yeah, exactly. That's that's our premature bottom line. So, well, we can move on because the other topic that I wanted to bring up might be related to this in some ways. And that's New York following in California's footsteps in banning the sale of gas cars by the year 2035. Now, what I found interesting about this, well, a few things, but Number one, the governor announced at the press conference that the only reason New York waited on this was that California had to go first. And apparently there's a federal regulation that makes California have to go first. So as soon as California announced that it was doing it, New York was able to say, okay, we're following suit. And now both states are promising by 2035, the sale of gas cars will be banned. And... Yeah, I think that the immediate question that we were trying to figure out is why did California have to go first? Right. Even the governor at the press conference was vague about it. And she said, well, there's some kind of federal regulation that mandates California going first on it. So I'm not exactly sure what that is and why that is. Why would California have to go first? Now, California is the biggest state, so they have something to do with it but still kind of an oddity to me. Right. Nonetheless, 2035, it's, you know, California, New York, you mentioned, I think in Japan, that they're trying to do the same thing. They're saying Japan no more. Is aiming, yeah, Japan is aiming for 2035 as well to, to go all electric on, on vehicles. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting to me, and we've mentioned this concept before, the carrot versus the stick, right? And even the way you just said it there was Japan is looking to go all electric. The articles here, at least, that I'm seeing about the New York story all have the word ban in them. They're saying New York joins California to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars by 2035. Let's see, this other one. Yeah, banning in big letters. End of the road. New York will join California in banning sale of new gas-powered cars. Now, maybe this relates to what you were saying earlier about people wanting the negative. You know, the negative. The negative line is always what attracts that energy and that you know that excitement. Maybe that's why the news is writing it this way. But I also think of it in terms of the punishment versus the incentive. I think that if you talked about we're moving towards electric vehicles that would get a better response from people viscerally, maybe not the clicks or whatever, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe not the, the money that these outlets are looking to generate, but I think the people would be okay with that as opposed to just saying, you're gonna ban, because there's already this notion that there's a war on cars, there's a war on vehicles, there's a war, you know, so when you're talking about banning gas cars, why not say we're moving towards electric vehicles? I think that's a better way to put it. And also when you look at the actual policy here, there was something in here that I found interesting. There's the drive clean rebate program that the governor announced $10 million as an investment towards the program, which gives people rebates when they buy 
electric vehicles up to $2,000. And I think you could probably do better than that. And it's going to be an issue of can people even afford this stuff? But I like the idea of incentivizing. This is my bottom line. When you get, you gave me the bottom line, incentivizing good behavior, as opposed to trying to punish what we consider bad. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think that that, that would be on the, on the journalist that wrote the article. Right. I mean, ban is definitely much more of a, a word that will, you know, promote a, a reaction, right? To get people to, to watch or view and click and, and whatnot. Um, I guess it would depend on whatever the the actual ruling said um, versus what words the journalist put put down on the paper. So, like, like I said, for the for the Japanese plan, you know. I looked at it from a, a a trade government site, and they were saying that, you know, they they've set a target by 2035, all new cars sold will be environmentally friendly. All eco cars are clean energy or CEVs, um, so they'll be, you know, electric vehicles. Um, so I think when you're talking about journalism versus an informative type of site, you know, one's gonna go a little crazy with the uh, adjectives. Yeah, but I also think it's a cultural difference between Japan and the U.S. And I don't think it only falls on the journalists. I think that this is what the powers that be here in the U.S. and in New York are saying. This is how they're talking about it as well. And this all fits with that narrative of punishing drivers, right? I mean, even when Bella was on here recently, she said, why aren't we talking about moving towards electric vehicles? And we kind of right. are talking about that, but we're not right i mean it, it it's the headline it's but, but again not just the headline from what the journalists say but when when the governor does a press conference what is she saying right what did, how are you describing it so are you saying we're going to move towards electric vehicles or are you saying we're going to ban the sale of gas cars because that's how it's being presented here we're going to ban the sale of gas cars and you know what environmentally i think it's a good thing that we do need to move towards electric vehicles but how are we doing that also? I mean, are we just talking about banning? Because that's the thing too. If you just say that this policy is to ban the sale of gas vehicles, that doesn't get us to electric because as I said, electric vehicles are much more expensive and then you need the infrastructure yeah. as well. You need the charging stations. You need to be able to set people up to have these electric vehicles. So you can't have it just, we're going to punish the bad. What are we doing to replace that with? And how are we doing it? What is the, that's what the focus should be. That's what the conversation needs to be. Where are we moving towards? Not what are we moving away from? I think, you know, we've seen a, a proliferation of electric vehicles um, in the past, uh, I guess, 10 years or so, um, hybrids and then all electric. Um, so you would expect, we're talking 2035, it's, you know, easily another almost, what, what's it, 13 years? So the infrastructure, I'm sure, is going to expand. The price definitely needs to come down because, as you said, electric vehicles are much more expensive. You can get, you know, you can get a cheap, a cheap car for, and not talking about use, even a cheap brand new car for, you know, around the ten thousand dollar price point. That's the very bare bones, you know. I don't, I don't know. Is that not even Ford Focus? No, what is that? I don't know. But um, I've only seen electric vehicles around thirty k. You know, that's a huge difference. So. How is it going to deal with people who who can't afford that? 
you know, if that's the only thing that's going to be sold. And then, of course, what about the, you know, I'm sure charging stations will proliferate. Not worried about that, but. Well, were you not worried about that? I am. I, I'm not going to just assume that that's going to happen, especially if we're only talking about banning gas cars. What is the plan to have more charging stations? And I'm not really seeing that. I know we have some time to do it. And I know that there are milestones that they're trying to set, but are we able to get there? I mean, is infrastructure going to support that by 2035 to, to make it so that everyone can do it conveniently? Well, I mean, you would hope that when 2035 got there, that whoever, you know, whoever's in charge at the time, um, you know, take a look, took, takes a look at the, the, the lay of the land and be like, okay, look, we may not have met the target yet. So we're going to have to delay this. You know, or unless they're going to be like, hey, this is a hard, fast rule. 2035, we said it. Oh, well, you're not ready. Too bad. That that would be a problem. No, right. But they shouldn't have to delay it. If they're serious by 2035, this is going to happen. Then they need to be meeting those milestones all along the way and not just waiting until 2034 and saying, oops, we're not going to get there. That's the right. fate. <laughs> this needs to be done the right way, meaning this takes long term planning. And it is tough when you're dealing with a political system that really is designed for more short-term results especially at the state level you you, you, you right. do you know you, you don't have people who stick around for forever i mean you do have governors sometimes who are there for three terms so that's a lot but you know what i mean and pe- there's a lot a lot of turnover in government so that's true can we get that's this done true. yeah i think what you know i think it's 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 a good thing to 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 reduce our reliance on Fossil fuels, obviously, uh, to reduce our reliance on gas, cars, and oil, that will take take um, some power away from some of these. Everyone loves the cloud there. experience, but the reality is oh, about 70% of your apps and data continue. Got a random ad. Let's look at this. <laughs> I did not authorize that ad. I'm on trying to read an article on banning gas cars and commercial things. Uh, How dare they? I, I just wonder, you know, there's, I think there's more to even that than just the, the infrastructure. There's also just, um, I think I read the battery on a, on a car can, on the electric car, it's like 10, 10 years before it needs to be replaced or something like that. You know, that's an added expense. Right. And that's the thing. It's not just to buy the car, right? It's to maintain it. That's very expensive. Right. right. Now, I don't, I don't know. Is it, cheaper and not necessarily that it should be cheaper when we're talking about you know stemming environmental changes but my question is is it cheaper to charge up your car than it is to fill it with gas you mean once you already have the infrastructure once you have the car like when you go to pay for gas you know fill up your car your gas tank versus a hundred percent charge on your car like are the costs equivalent is one more expensive than the other? Well, what would be the cost at that point? Just the electricity, right? I would imagine. Yeah, the uh, I would. I would think that the gas would be more money, especially nowadays. And I think there's also. I mean, there is an initial cost if you want to be able to charge at home, unless they make some kind of adapter that you've got to convert or, or have this box installed at the house, which I don't know how much that costs. But yeah, that's the thing, also. Right. I mean, making it so it's convenient and accessible for everyone. I mean, ultimately, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing they're going to replace gas stations with electric charging stations. But how is that going to work? And because they take a long time to charge. Right. And that's another thing. Like if I want to gas up, 
you know, I you can gas up and fill your tank up in like five minutes, whereas a charge is going to take hours. So I'm wondering how they're going to deal with that. So that's what I'm saying. A lot of questions to answer. But we got a special guest with us right now. Trying to get situated over here. Rock the Fury in the place. Yes, sir, Mr. Timmy. Mr. Mike. What's going on, What's Fury? On? How's it going, y'all? We're doing well. For those who don't know, Fury is an MC from Queens, actually. I know you recently moved up to what to PA. You're doing a radio show. You can talk about that in a bit. But we go way back with, with hip hop. And I know you live in Rockaway, so you're you're a local guy, you're familiar with a lot of the stuff that we're getting into here. Uh, we were actually just talking about New York deciding that by 2035, they were going to ban the sale of gas cars and move towards electric cars. So trying to figure out how that's going to work. A lot of batteries. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And in the chat, Lixa was talking about um, the that um, there's only two producers or major producers of lithium, which they need for the lithium ion batteries. And they don't have currently have the the material to keep up with that demand if they you know went all electric everywhere so that's another concern to be worried about as well but so, you know we you're pointing out negatives there are positives as well air quality will improve you know there's less uh, effect on the climate less the carbon and, and whatnot so there's oh there's, absolutely you know, i it's a worthy goal to get to i just yeah. don't know if we're really there and people say well 2035 sounds so far away but it's really not considering where we are now. Like I would like right. to see us move closer to it before we say we're going to outright ban the sale. I just, I just don't know if we're ready for, if we're going to be ready for that drastic of a change because you really don't see the technology now being accessible to most people. I mean, how many people do you know have an electric car today? I think it's a catch 22. Uh, they want to try to lead you to, um, you know, away from the, the gas to, to use the electric, but the price, and the cost to maintain that is going to be, um, it probably exceed what you're already currently paying. It, it'll be hard for people to get to these access to these plug-in things. You have to build tons and tons of those. And then those are going to become oversaturated. People trying to find those and people staying there overnight or lined up. You have to make those in, at, at numerous stops, at numerous locations, no matter on every highway, interstate section, wherever you're going, you're going to have to, install all those all those um charging stations you know and then and then if you want the portable ones that's when they're going to get you too you know they're going to charge your arm and leg there i don't know how much it's going to cost to um um as it, what it costs at at home to charge but that's another cost whether you're doing it at home whether you're on the road and i'm pretty sure they'll find some sort of surcharges to trump up on there so to speak and um i don't know i just think it's just another hustle but let, let's be clear though, like, and it's, it's kind of funny that we're, we're all saying this, even people in the, in the chat, um, like, oh, this is a great goal. You need to have this stuff in place. Um, this is probably the exact conversation they had when cars were first brought about. They're like, oh, we're gonna have to have gas stations like every few miles. They're gonna have to, like, it's probably a similar situation in that regard. Like we're on that precipice of something new and that's gonna be rolled out widespread. Probably the similar conversation they had when they were talking about wiring the country for electricity. Oh, you're gonna to have to have an electrical station every few miles and that's just so much are they gonna be able to do it? So it's it's kind of interesting in that regards me. 
Yeah, and hopefully it works out. It just, to me, it seems like we're so behind the curve on getting to that point. Like, I don't think that we have enough electric cars, enough of these charging stations yeah. now, like where it even makes sense. Like it's, you're basically going from zero to a hundred on this. And, and that concerns me. So that's why I said earlier, I do hope that these milestones are met along the way. And it's not <laughs> a shock to the system. We're not at 2034 trying to figure out how we're going to make this work the next year because we're still on gas. Right. Yeah. My question is yeah. this, I wonder how, how they're going to do it. Like if they, is it a trade-off? You know, it was like, would they, would they trade in your car that you currently have and then give you an electric car and you pay off the difference? Or do you have to purchase a whole brand new car? And is it going to be different levels of those type of cars? Well, right you now, know? you can, right, right. So so right now, they have a rebate program, but they'll give you $2,000, which really isn't a lot when you consider how much more expensive these cars are. But it's right. not like it's just a trade-off where you can get rid of your gas car. Maybe that's a good program to look at doing, where yeah. you can just say, I'm going to trade off my gas car and get this electric car but the costs are just so much different yeah now now for for the you know you're saying ban the sales so does that mean i mean sounds like all new cars will have to be electric but what about the ones that are on the road that are are gas cars are they going to be no longer street legal is that what they're no not by this no they're saying ban the sale so they're saying only new cars cars will have new cars sold from 20 now you raise an interesting point what about used cars what yeah, about I was just ask that. <laughs> yeah. so right. that could be the loophole to look at there mm-hmm. yeah interesting uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes then i think it's new cars i think i think what they're going for here is new gas cars so right you still sell a used car if it's gas you just can't have a new car so it's like going to the dealership and buying a new car right okay right. they might also spoil you the car chopping franchise you know, those people that rob cars and steal cars, they won't be able to sell them to anybody anymore. They'd be like, it won't work with these new cars. <laughs> so You're you going to put them out of business. Probably a good thing about it. Well, that could okay. be a whole question for the week. I want to know what people think about this. If they think that it's a good idea for New York to do this. New York is following in California's footsteps and apparently other places are doing the same. So the poll question for the week is, do you agree that the sale of new gas cars should be banned by the year 2035. Yeah, we'll see how that uh, how that plays out. So C-Rock the Fury. It's been a minute, my guy. Um, yes, now, do you guys remember how when we first met, though? <laughs> I actually remember receiving a package from C-Rock's label at the time, I believe it was. We're talking about probably the year 2000 or 2001, going way back. And I think you had a label that I was really hustling for you, trying to send your material out to everyone. That was the first time I heard of you, though. I got a direct mail. And that was kind of rare because I was new to hip hop myself and I was putting out some stuff, but I I didn't get a lot of demos sent to me at the time. So it it did catch my eye. Mm. Yeah, man. We've been in this for a minute. Yeah. we first met in person at the JY show. Yep. Uh, um, uh, Freddie, Freddie Fox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Freddie, Freddie Fox, Fox was there. there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, I tried to get that show. Um, did, I don't know if they still have a copy of that. Does anybody have a copy of that particular show, the audio of that show? I have a copy of our segment somewhere. Mm. I don't know if I have a copy of your segment. Yeah, because I, I really wanted to get that from Jay. Because we gave you a ride, like afterwards, after that, like um, 
we gave you a ride back to wherever you were at the time. Yeah, I think at that time I was on, um, you know, Jamaica Avenue. Yeah, yeah, right by the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, JY yeah. show. That was that man. It's been a minute, yo. Yeah, man. So you're you're out, um, out. You were in Rockaway, but you're out in like PA or can or Connecticut. I'm in, I'm in Allentown. I'm in Allentown, You're in Allentown, Allentown right now. Mm-hmm. Now you host from from what I understand, you've also been not only you know you do your MC thing, but you've been a DJ, and now you and you have a radio show out there. Yeah, a lot a lot of people didn't really know I got my hands dirty, right? But even back in the days, like a lot of those tracks I did, I was doing I was doing cuts on those tracks too. But uh, a lot of people didn't know that. I'm trying to get more into my bag um, as far as you know the cutting and stuff. I've been doing much um, microphone performances lately. I've been doing more DJing stuff, so I've just been. Um, you know, sharpening my swords with that. But um, I was pretty I was pretty nice then. And now that they got the digital, I don't have to worry about all them carrying those records and all that stuff. I, and I'm trying to digitize everything. I got a lot of vinyls that I need to digitize and I'll probably get rid of those vinyls after a while because it's just, everything is downsides and I prefer it that way anyway. I'm more comfortable with it. But um, I can still do the same things on those, probably even better now that I'm, you know, I've been on them so much because I've been on them, the digital ones now more, I think probably more now than the, than the actual, you know, original turntables and stuff. But um, it works, yeah, it works I, for I me. That. Yeah, it, it works. Those days, yeah. those days of carrying crates of, of, of vinyl and oh, man. days, man, mm-hmm. they're not light. You talking about gas ready? and emission, um, you know, to, to get a van or something like that, or the carry your, your speakers, yeah. your Vegas, your, you know, and then and then you have to go to the store and buy two sets of everything, and then you have to find it, and if you couldn't find two sets of everything, you have to try to find something close or similar to it, and then try to make that work, but I, that's that's a lot of money making, you know, like to buy two pairs of records, and then everybody, people want to hear 40 or 50 songs a night, and then you want to switch it up, so you got to constantly yeah. spend, that's that's what all, all your food money went there, you know, like everything yeah. we're trying yeah. to do, food or Clothing we want to rock, we have to decide. And I'm, I'm going to look fly this time, or I'm going to buy some records. Yeah. Right. I want to ask you about your show, though. So, is it just playing music? Do you have discussions on there? Do you do interviews? Or, um, I do. Well, you know, my thing I call Fury Talk, which is basically my blah blah. You know, and um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't sketch anything. Everything is off the cuff, no safety net. So, um, whatever I decide, whatever just pops up in my head, I'll talk a little something, something before the show, and then I'll get right into it. Um, it's called mixing up the bag, so I literally have no idea what I'm going to be doing. Um, I actually be on tomorrow, tomorrow night. I'm on every Wednesday from 11 p.m. Uh, to 1 a.m. And um, let me see. Since it's been raining, what I might do is I might, I might not sure, but I might just play some songs that have things to do with rain. You know, <laughs> I might, I might, I might play some. Um, I might play some. I saw you walking in the rain. Some orange juice Jones. I might play you some old classic singing in the rain, you know. Tim has got a song called The Rain. Yeah. 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 There's a a lot of rain. There's a lot of rain songs. Raindrops keep falling on my head, whatever it is like that. But this rain is kind of depressing. It's been raining for like, I don't know how many days. I think I'm building an ark or something because it's been like, yeah, yeah, right. It's like like Friday, you know. I haven't seen no sunshine or nothing, man. But um, I think they're saying Wednesday is going to slow down or Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. For sure. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday. It's been yeah. really, really like like crazy, but but you know, not as bad as Florida. No, and, uh, and down south. My brother told me oh. that they had it really bad out there, and, and um, 
my nephew was in Myrtle Beach, but he graduated because like he was stationed in, in, in Myrtle Beach his his um college and stuff. And I heard they got it really, really bad over there. So I was really glad that he graduated. That's why I told my I told my brother, I said, education can save your life. Because if he didn't, he would still be over there. <laughs> you know, so there shout out shout out to people in in Florida um that went through the, the hurricane recently. There was a lot of you know, you saw the, I see in a lot of the clips and a lot of the videos, there's a lot of the flooding and whatnot. It's just kind of crazy. And I have cousin, a cousin that lives down or cousins that live down in uh, the, the Miami St. Not Miami, the St. Pete, Tampa area. Um, they came through all right. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it was real crazy. Shout out to Pete, Christine, Jim, Patricia, of course, Lixa, everyone else in the chat. Everybody in the chat was good. How you doing? Yeah, and I mentioned the, the, uh, the show, whether you had discussions, because someone actually asked me recently how I got into law and politics coming from hip hop. And I mentioned that really it was doing a radio show that was a catalyst in many ways, because we would have discussions on the show. We would play music, but then we would have guests and we would have talks about what was going on in the world. And a lot of the artists in New York were socially conscious or politically conscious. So it kind of went hand in hand. A lot of people on the outside might not understand that. Like how do you go from politics to, to you know, or from, from hip hop to politics, but a lot of hip hop is political. And it, it you know, it, in New York in the scene that we were in, it kind of gelled, it kind of made sense. We would, I remember Tim and I went to uh, Morgan State and it was a performance, but it was also like a voter registration drive at the same time. And you know what right. I mean? Like a, a lot of these things just to, just work together because you started to care about what was going on in the world and it was the conversations, but it was also in the music and you wanted to have music with a message too. And you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's you start thinking about how can you make a difference both in music and outside music. And, you know, I, I think, I think there's a lot more overlap than people might realize. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in, in the, the, the scene that, that, you know, that we were in, when there's that focus on, like you said, music with a message or with lyrics or talking about social economic issues and, and whatnot, which, you know, I mean, one of the first biggest hip hop songs was the message, which was talking about these types of things. And so, yeah, there is that overlap that people don't recognize. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and you get to a point where it's like, all right, I'm trying to write rap songs to change the world, but it's like, that's great. But what else can you do outside of that? You know what I mean? Like you, you want to have great, great songs. All right. But there's other, other things you could do too. And I never felt like we had to box ourselves in. And I, that was also something that I took pride in. Like, let me change what it means to, to do this. Like, let, let me show another way. Let me show that you don't have to just like, if you want to do, it doesn't have to be rapping and selling clothing or rapping and acting. Why not rapping and being a lawyer? Why not doing it differently? Why, you know, why not showing people that, you can you can be whatever you want to be, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be the typical path you see everyone else do. Yeah, none of us none of us want to be pigeonholed, you know, yeah. and always you yeah. know, and just being one box like this is all that's all you do. You know, none of us are one trick ponies. We all have um, you know a variety of gifts, and you know, I was I've um, performing, rocking stage, DJing, tabletism, writing, or even um, speeches or lectures. You know, yeah. so um, to have all those things is good because just to be an artist don't cut it. And, and that, and I don't think a lot of people will survive without that. Cause you don't know how to do networking or workshops or, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pass, uh, pass it and pay it forward, then we got to know how to articulate ourselves in order to pass this forward. So we need to educate ourselves to spread what we learn to keep it out there. And there's different aspects. You could do it either in media, you know, um, 
I don't like what you're doing, Mike, and stuff like that. It was actually out in the front, you know, on, on the front lines, you know, um, with the people mm-hmm. and um and representing, which is you know, and everybody needs a representative in every aspect. So you the per- perfect person to do that. Timmit is doing, you know, what he's doing, and he's he's leading the front line over there. I'm trying to do what I can over here in PA. And that's what we need to do, man. We, we can't be no one trick ponies because we, we, you know, it limits yourself. And um, we, we way too talented for that. And people, and the thing is that people are multifaceted. You know, you're not, no one is just one thing. You know, um, you have interests and talents in in variety of areas. And, you know, you can pull those things together to do different things. I mean, you know, you can't, like I said, no one wants to be like pigeonholed or like just, just put in a box I'm like, oh, well, you, you're an MC and that's all that you do. Like your opinion on anything else doesn't matter or, or your action, anything else doesn't matter. Like, no, you're still a person. You still have other parts of yourself that, um, that contribute to the whole of what you are. Absolutely. Yeah, just being well-rounded. That's, that's a great thing to be. You don't want to be one dimensional in life and life is too short. If you have, I mean, everyone probably has multiple interests, so why not pursue them? Especially if you have the talent and the ability to do it, why limit yourself? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And not everybody might not be an MC forever, you know? And um, like when your time is up on that, then you, but you still gotta maintain and you can either, you know, retire and go to work or do something. But even that is a is a trade. You don't gotta be in music or you could be behind the scenes. You know, you might see somebody, an artist, and you might not say, oh, he hasn't had nothing out, but he might be doing something like way behind the scenes. It might be a ghostwriter. You know, he might be a, a songwriter. It might be, he might be doing the bass guitar or something like that in one of your favorite songs. You Executive don't even know producer. About yeah, a, a producer. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that people is doing and stuff. So that, that's what I'm trying to do. Like I said, just um, just just um, put it all put it all out on the table. You know, for I'm gonna just plan it, man. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna lay every thing out on the table. I'm gonna lay it all out there. Now there is a uh, there's a que- there's a, a comment in the chat that I know Mike is gonna want to address. The Marine. And- I actually was about to bring that up myself. Yes, yeah, so you're talking about the Marine. Yeah, yeah, and Fury's here because Fury was also in the Rockaway, so it might be something that he could weigh in as well. I know Mike, get at it. So the comment from Maureen says, I attended a few meetings, and they said the Queen's Rail will never be built because the train bridge is old as dirt and needs replacement. So for those tuning in, we are doing a rally in the Rockaways on Sunday for the Queen's Link, we call it, which is the old Rockaway Beach line. It was known as the Queen's Rail, but the Queen's Link plan says we want transit restored on this asset that's owned by the city. The tracks are still there. Right away still exists. We also are, are cool with the parks because some people want parks there too. You can do both, but the train is the most important thing. So this comment is saying that she heard that the train will never be built. The MTA did a feasibility study a few years ago and we found that the costs were inflated in that study. They inflated the soft costs, like you know, attorney's fees, consultants, things like that. I think they looked at like the worst case scenario of how much things could get, but they said it would be over $8 billion to build this. We commissioned an independent study that found it was 3.5 billion, big difference. And it's really more along the lines of transit projects. And in fact, it's cheaper than something like the second Avenue subway, which was recently done because that was starting from scratch. This is not starting from scratch. This is a train line that ran until 1962, but you still got the tracks there. The right of way is still in existence and it's owned by the city. So it makes sense because it's the only North South connection that we really have right now. Fury, you know, well, living in Rockaway transportation really is probably the biggest issue. It's what separates us from the rest of the city and it's what stifles so much economic growth and opportunity in the city. And so 
This is what we're saying. We're saying, listen, you want to build a park, fine, but don't design it in a way that's going to prevent us from getting that train. And let's move forward on that transit component as well. If right. you can get from South Queens, you know, the Rockaway, South, anywhere, Howard Beach, Ozone Park, anywhere in South Queens, directly to Midtown Manhattan in a half an hour or, or somewhere in that magnitude, that's a game changer for the city. Yeah. Right now, you're talking about going through Brooklyn on the A train, downtown, then to Midtown. You're talking about, you know, an hour and a half sometimes. It's, that's not the way to go. We need to be cutting edge. We need to be, uh, you know, we talked about moving away from gas cars and New York is going to be a leader on this. All right. New York needs to be a leader when it comes to mass transit in our public transportation system as well. And it makes perfect sense. It's to me, it's a no brainer. And so, you know, she says she's been to meetings where they said that it would never happen. It is on the MTA's 20 year needs program. They are looking at it. But at the end of the day, it's a political decision. And that means it's up to the people to stand up and say, we demand this. And if enough of us say that, then they will have no choice but to do it. Right. So you lived in, in Rockaway. Um, you can you could probably speak to, you know, what was your your travel like going going from Rockaway to the rest of, of the city? You know, if you had to go to Manhattan or you had to go. Um, well, you know, I had, you know, we took the shuttle, you know, over there. And um what's what's that um that that, that stop we go before you catch the uh, the A train or what, Broad Channel? Uh, Beach Channel, yeah, Broad Channel. And um sometimes over there the wait could be ridiculous for the shuttle. And then um you know, so you have to kind of depend on that. And then from there, we would just take the A and the A would take you, you know, it could take you to Queens and take you to um, Manhattan. And I mean, that's, that's a long, that's a long ride, by the way. It's a long ride because it snakes through Brooklyn and then it, it arrives in downtown Manhattan. So if you're right. trying to go to Midtown, you're adding like another half an yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if they build, you know, these, um, these trains and stuff, I think it'll definitely take some of that pressure off and get the people, get to the destinations faster. Um, and, um, people need that, man. Cause you know, people have to call out late because of the train latenesses and so forth and people losing their jobs and stuff because, and that's the only, that's the only, that's their only route, you know, other than maybe taking a bus and that's ridiculous too. And that takes twice as long. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the, like the one, was it the 113 and, um, all that stuff is like the train is your only option. So. To fix the infrastructure on that is the best bet. Yeah, and that, that's the only way you could get that direct north-south link if you wanted to go up towards midtown Manhattan, which is the economic engine of the city. I mean, people talked about, oh, people in the Rockaways, they work downtown, so you don't need this. But why do they work downtown? Because you can't get to midtown in any reasonable amount of time. Right. They need to fix that for more more ferries, you know, more yeah. ferry boats. Um, going going to the city because that that was a good idea at the time. Yeah, I don't know if they're still doing it, but um, yeah, yeah. But the ferry is always under attack because they say you know it's heavily subsidized, and there are some people who don't want that money spent on the ferry. I mean, it's all about what people need. Like if people are in a certain part of the city where they don't take the ferries, a lot of them want to attack it, and they say uh, you know let's put that money someplace else. But no, you can't dump on us here in South Queens and in the Rockaways. We need this transportation. It's holding us back. It's, it's, it's so thing. it's so amazing how they uh, they always have a money issue but they always have money you know it's like they it's have they, 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 they have what you want to spend the money on that's they have short hands and deep pockets it ain't like they don't have the money they do have the money they just don't want to part with their money and look at the new york city but just just for some perspective the new york city budget we're talking about a hundred billion dollars here so when you want to talk about 3.5 billion yeah obviously 3.5 billion is a lot of money to any of us but in perspective, they're spending $100 billion a year. You can find the money to build this train line over the next several years. Mm -hmm. 
Right. I'm just using this as an example. Like, um, you know, the, the states always saying they have no money, but then they have money to finance a war or to, or to help somebody bail somebody out in a war in another country. So where's all this money coming from? They 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 have money. They always sit on money. They just their priorities are just kind of screwy. So that's well, that's yeah. Maybe maybe, no, I, maybe, I our, maybe our situations ain't important for, for enough for them to part with their money. But know? but that's and, and that's why we're doing this rally on Sunday because we need to show them that the people are standing and, and demanding this. That's the only way you, you get it done because it's about it's politics, right? It's about put that political pressure showing that the people demand it. And it's not just people in the Rockaways. We're doing this event in Rockaway because it was the Rockaway Beach Line. A lot of people in Rockaway have been invested in this issue for a long time. But we're going to do other events in other parts of Queens as well, and maybe even throughout the city, to rally the public support behind it everywhere. It, because, and, you know, like I said, you get most people involved in this, and what are they going to say? We need better transportation. More so than the park. Do the parks, but not at the expense of the train. Right. And I think it's important to note um, we we're saying, you know, they have money, they have, they, they have it. I think it's important to note that it's, it's the people's money because it's the money that they have comes from the taxes of the people. So how they're spending it is, is, you know, supposed to be for the benefit of the people. So it's not, it's not like it's their own money. So the people should have a voice and should stand up and say something and how they want that money allocated and how they want it prioritized. Right. And speaking of mind, the last point I'll make on this is follow the money when it comes to campaign contributions and whatnot. Just keep an eye on that. See who's given money and, and see what ends up happening as a result of that. Right. Absolutely. If they want to have some money my way, I'm here. <laughs> well, we are about at the time where we have to actually wrap up here, but we like to give our guests the last word. We call it the bottom line. So, Fury, anything that you want to leave the people with? What is the bottom line? Um, the bottom line as far as what we talked about or bottom line overall? Overall. I mean, you could, you could tie it to what we talked about, but, you know, whatever you want to say. Well, yeah, I think what we line. said is self-explanatory, man. Like, yo, give us the money, man. Um, join join Scala and, um, and his crew to get this money in order to help fix the infrastructure and rock away. And um, I think that'll benefit not just that. It, it'll, it'll create businesses and uh, it'll create more traffic. So they could generate more revenue. So you know, that's I right. Think, and, think, then, and then we'll get our money back. Look at that. It all comes. Yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll even recoup that money. Yeah, they'll even recoup that money. And on another note, anybody in and on here that want to check out the show, my show is called Mixing Up the Bag, y'all. So I say Mudby. That's the acronym M U D B Y. Mixing Up the Bag, y'all. And every Wednesday, I'm not gonna be. On, I'm gonna be on tomorrow night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. You could go to WDIY.org because you might not get the station because I'm in PA. But if you go on the net and stream it, it's worldwide. So it don't matter where you are. WDIY.org, just hit the play button and um, you can just stream it from there. And if you miss the show, do not worry about it because if you click the music button on there, you could go into the two-week archive and hear any show I did for two weeks. So every time two new shows come on, those two new shows push out the two old shows, but you can hear those at any time and you can play in its entirety. And I believe you can even download it or share it or whatever it is like that. But the show is called Mixing Up the Bag, y'all. Mudby is the acronym. And I um, go by the name DJ Big Fury. I do like what we're doing now, Fury Talk, and I get busy on those one and twos. There it is. Mm. And if you catch us, Jay, 
tell the people where they can catch Nuance. You can catch us here every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, and uh, the audio is up on podcasts, anywhere podcasts are, Spotify, Amazon, Apple. Uh, also video, go to our YouTube channel. Look up Nuance with Mike Scala and Jay Carter. Go there, subscribe, and you can catch the replays of all these shows and join the conversation there on YouTube. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Fury. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. The Three Amigos back in the building. <laughs>